are tuning in to the online broadcast network, AfterBuzz TV. Over 20 million weekly downloads in over 150 countries and your number one source for after show entertainment. Johnson. TV, the destination for TV superfans, producing aftershows for over 300 of your favorite TV shows, interviewing celebrities and showrunners, and bringing you behind-the-scenes exclusives. All thanks to E! Entertainment's Maria Menounos, producer Kevin Undergaro, and internet leader Akamai. Now, let the buzz begin! That's right, ladies and gentlemen, the sound of that... Thunder! And excitement can only mean one thing here on AfterBuzz TV. It's Throwback Thursday. We're throwing it back to The Prisoner, the 1967 allegory made by Patrick McGowan. We are back, ladies and gentlemen, with It's Your Funeral. We have Steph C. What's up, guys? We missed you. Hope you missed us, too. <laughs> and what is your social media Oh, you guys, if you preference. really do miss me, my social media <laughs> preference is Instagram. But I don't know. Like, I'd rather you tweet me because then I can actually communicate back with you. So you can do that at I-A-M-S-T-E-F-Z. Come on, hit a girl up. <laughs> there you go. And we have Meredith Placco. I'm returning. back. I'm back. Sorry I was gone last week, guys. But I'm here. And uh, I am I am uh, by social media. You can hit me up both on Twitter and Instagram at mplacco. So I kind of swing both ways. Some for photos, some for words, whatever you prefer. It's there the language go. I speak. But you can't really, like, send a person a picture. I mean, I guess we'll not debate on, that not on another day. Yeah. Okay. Oh, he's <laughs> like, we don't want to talk about social media. We got important um, things. Like, I want to talk about the big. We did talk about the prisoner on our Shark Tank episode. I'm just saying. Really? We, we did. We did. Uh, nice. so check that out. Uh, if you can follow us here on AfterBuzz TV, we're available to you on various platforms. So uh, you know, check us out there if you haven't been. You know, if you've been uh, kind of checking us out, but you prefer a different way. There's there's many different ways. And don't forget to tell a friend. That's the number one thing. That's how we spread <laughs> the love of prisoner. And, of course, this after show. We will slightly be spoiler-filled at some times. We will try to avoid it as much, much as possible, but things slip. So we apologize in advance. Hopefully, I mean, the show's been out for a couple of years. Catch up. Yeah. <laughs> Get it together. <laughs> 40 there, years later, <laughs> I'm bringing you spoilers. <laughs> but Steph Z is new to the mm-hmm. to the series, as uh, as most of you guys know. And so overall impressions on episode 11, It's Your Funeral. Um. I kind of liked it. I liked the last one. I'm still kind of on the high of Hammer into Anvil. I liked that one a lot. But this one for me, my biggest takeaway was that number two was like the Hugh Hefner of number twos. Which number two? <laughs> the first number two. The Hugh Hefner yes. number two I mean, is most if you like. I don't know which one I'm talking jacket. about. Come on. <laughs> Come on. There you go. Fair enough. I'm, well, a slightly cursory takeover, take away, but we'll take it. I think, that's a, I think that's a compliment. I think that's a huge compliment. Yeah, yeah no, I think um, some, uh, it, you know, we watched this one initially almost a month ago, and then there was some confusion. So, um, I, and it was so funny. I just have to say, because when we watched it, Steph had watched uh, Hammer into Anvil, and she came in saying, this episode's great. And I'm like, man, we are not on the same, way, same wavelength anymore. But, so I'm like, this was not one of my favorite episodes. But then realizing that you were talking about Hammer into Anvil, and we had watched It's Your Funeral, it's... It's a solid episode, but it's not one of my favorites. But it plays an important uh, part for number six's development and how we actually get to see some of the overarching uh, 
players. Yeah. It's just not as exciting. Yeah, it's just not an exciting episode. Yeah. Yeah, It it comes down to, um, obviously there was six uh, um, original kind of episodes. Mm -hmm. This does not fall under that category. And so, you know, the last couple of episodes that we've been talking about, many people refer to as kind of cursory. You know, it is what it is. It's fun, but it's not necessarily all that thought-provoking as opposed to the other ones. Um, and, I, and I would put this one into that category. I mean, the biggest takeaway I think we're learning in the past few episodes is how number six is integrating within the village mm-hmm. and how you know the village needs him as much as he needs the village, but they're both unwavering in terms of fully committing. Um, and I would say that's true of this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So, that kind of plays into my whole inner prisoner theory Mm. and recap that real fast what is that theory well it doesn't hold true in every episode but like every theory there's some holes i feel like some of the episodes allude to the concept that he is his own prisoner that it's he is a prisoner of himself yes that he's a prisoner of himself and his internal judgment his internal choices are this is all how he gets to um, doing that and breaking free from that and his resignation is maybe from the facade that he's living and he's going in to internally think about who he really is in order to figure out where and where he wants to be in life. So it's like a vacation. Well, I really? mean, when we see the daily activities today, it looks like yeah. a vacation to me. I'm, I'll sign me up. Sign me up to a place where you all my food's taken care of. I water ski. I hang out. I do all this stuff every day. I'll happily go there for a little while. It's a little Club Med. You have to it's be honest. It's so Club Med. Um, so speaking of that. <laughs> yes, Phil. No, well, we, we, we all know we love the overview mm-hmm. of things. Um, so Michael, uh, the writer, Michael Cramoy, um, was well-versed in adventure shows for radio and TV. And he was giving, uh, given a brief that he should make a story about an assassination um, and to use a lot of stock footage. Oh. And so um, the, the, him going through the routine and kind of uh, that very computer-esque voice of, um, you know, the prisoner, mm-hmm. he's doing this and he's doing that. So uh, we have a couple of pictures, by the way, if we want to take a quick look at them. For for those of you listening, um, there's a link provided in the show notes for you to download all these pictures so you can kind of see. Um but there's, uh, there, there's, he, he's sparring, he's buying a newspaper, he's getting, uh, things made, so, uh, so, you know, so all that kind of stuff. But I, I found it very funny. There, there's a few discrepancies between what he's actually doing and, and what's ultimately reported, which we'll kind of gloss over. Mm-hmm. But it is what it is. Well, uh, I think that, you know, seeing this where it says, like, he uses, you know, tracks and clips from other episodes. I feel like at this point in the episode, I mean, at this point in the series, that's kind of like the norm. Yeah. No. It's like they were trying to figure out a way to either cut budget, cut production time. Yeah, so what they, I mean, the yeah. short time they filmed everything, they kind of have to rely on a lot of uh, pr- previous used or unused footage that they shot. Which I wonder if they thought about that while they were shooting it. Mm-hmm. I wonder if they, were, like, figured it out and were like, okay, we need to get a couple really good helicopter shots and we can use it five times. Yeah. We need, you know, this shot six times. Okay, let's take two angles, same shot done. Yeah. I wonder if they did that. I, yeah. I, I'm actually, this is, I know it's a little bit random, but um, with all your books that you have, do they ever talk about some of like, the production aspects, like how many cameras were used? Um, Not to that extent. Yeah, because I'm, I'm really curious if they shot all this on like a single camera, if there were like two two different cameras used, but it's really, it, it does, I will definitely say the show 
suffers and benefits from the shortened production time. It causes them to be very creative in ways that I don't think uh, we see a lot of modern filmmakers having to do that. Yeah, I mean, it was it was shot on film, mm-hmm. so uh, it's obviously love it. Uh, yeah. a lot of stuff. You know, that takes up time mm-hmm. between. Uh, I mean, if you really look at it, changing stock and all of that, yeah. it's just kind of a pain that we've gotten rid of. Obviously, there's there's the enthusiasts who still love film and love the texture and all that. Um, but they, they, they I will give them credit. They were mm-hmm. testing out in terms of production. We've we've talked about it to a lesser extent, but. They are employing techniques that, uh, you know, they're kind of revolutionizing things. Yeah. You know? And in terms of recycling, I mean, how many reality shows, like, recycle the same, mm-hmm. like, opening thing? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. That's that's true. Yeah. So I feel like, like, 40 years later, I want to have someone, uh, like, a, a filmmaker do a definitive, like, production history of The Prisoner and what it... it brought into uh modern uh television making because i think it's fascinating yeah absolutely that's that's the side that we you know there's mm-hmm. so much story that we never get to that that part of it because we can't Maybe even dig that's through it. what the numbers are like scene numbers or something <laughs> yeah they, hey what are we gonna call this well it's scene 47 so uh, 47 yeah never that know keeps man. you from having to use the slate <laughs> um there you go but let's backtrack a little mm-hmm. bit there um you go. Uh, let's start with Annette Andre. She's the watchmaker's daughter. She shows up, and uh, it's like the girl who cries wolf. Um, you yeah. know, she's a jam- mm-hmm. new introduction of what is this jammer thing? Yeah. Well, she's uh, number fifty as well. Just putting it out there. And that okay. is significant. Well, because it's she's in the middle of a hundred. Yeah. Mm. So she's you know kind of playing both sides. Mm. Mm. Okay. Mm. I like that. Yeah, that's a good one. I like that. Um, what, what about the concept of this jammer? I mean, we haven't, you know, we haven't seen it be- mm-hmm. before. It seems like the village, if there was anyone that would sort of rise up with whatever, an assassination attempt, an escape attempt, they, they seem like they've been dealt with pretty oh, swiftly um, through brainwashing yeah. and, and other stuff. So uh, it, it doesn't seem like it would have been a problem to have these types of people, but apparently they exist. Well, I feel like, for me, it was slightly unbelievable and not like, oh my god, that was amazing, but like I almost didn't believe it, mm-hmm. because of the fact that I don't feel like they would get so far. It, it seems in the past that once somebody gets off this straight and narrow thinking process, that they've handled it, so to speak. So for me, the fact that they were saying this happens you know, over and over mm-hmm. again with these jammers, I was a little bit like, how do they not... They see that they're recording everything all the time. How are they not become aware of this? Like, how are they not aware of what could or could not be happening and squash it so that this doesn't exist? So then people begin to see and use someone as an example that if you kind of go down this path, you're going to be brain fried or whatever they do. Mm-hmm. I didn't trust it. I thought it was more misinformation being thrown mm. at number six. Like, okay, we haven't heard of these. We haven't seen them. And again, it, it's a little too unbelievable yeah. in this world. So it's either, you know, my, my initial thought with the jammers was this is, and as number six was skeptical at first, um, that or... They've heard it. Yeah. Well, that, that or the, the other, really the good. other thought, <laughs> that was really good, um, was that maybe the village allows these rebels to exist because they're a controlled factor that they know and that they can uh, they can keep tabs on them. So. That certainly plays into uh, kind of a matrixy world yeah. where the, you know uh, the humans were 
please go see The Matrix if you haven't seen it. Only the first one. But to make sense of what I'm talking about, you must see all three. <laughs> um, but, but you know, they had a controlled population, and the anomaly was people who rejected the, this idea of the yeah. Matrix. And, you know, it was, yes, it was a growing population, mm-hmm. but it was kept under control. Then eventually they would just be eliminated. Yeah. Right. And that, uh, that's, that made more sense to me in, in terms of what the jammers were to the village. Yeah. The, the, uh, so, well, and oh, even with the Matrix, sorry mm-hmm. about the pills... Is that the yeah, the, yeah, the blue and the red. It's like pill. if you don't take the correct path, mm-hmm. the, the 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 red pill yeah. is the, the yeah. path. Yeah. The blue pill is forget. Right. The forget mm-hmm. me now. Yeah, interesting. Uh, you're wearing blue. Just saying, superhero it's, blue. It's <laughs> me. So DC. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, I see a war happening. It's <laughs> internal jokes That's here okay. at After Buzz TV. That's okay. Um, okay. I know my universe sucks sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> At least you have I know my cinematic universe isn't as good as yours. But your television universe is. Mm-hmm. So um, you got the Flash I, and I, Superman. Spe- speaking to the to the um, <laughs> sorry guys, all good. Uh, speaking to the Matrix <laughs> side of it, right, and the control aspect of it, the fact of that there's an assessment and there's consequence from this, where mm-hmm. you know everyone's going to be quote unquote purged or whatever term you want to give it. Um, it did it ties into that very much. So oh, I kind of wanted to see that. I kind of wanted to see... A Hitler slash Stalin type of res- No, faction. I kind of wanted to see what... I kind of wanted to see what would happen... And I'm not like trying to be dark or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I kind of wanted to see what would happen if a number two would have been assassinated and how it would have affected the villages because number six character would have stayed and how he would have then fit into what was happening. I feel like it could have been interesting. I mean, it, it certainly mm-hmm. would have expanded it, right? So um, yeah. right now, mm-hmm. he was kind of successful in that way. But imagine if, you know, he number six wasn't successful and now he has yeah. to kind of rise out of that uh, unsuccessfulness and, and figure out a way to get back at the village or mm-hmm. keep right. thing, whatever. Yeah. Or maybe he would become in charge of the village. Yeah. That'd be interesting. That's actually, like, ultimately what I always wanted. Mm-hmm. But he's been in charge of the village. What is, you know, no one listens. <laughs> That's true. So, but he, you you know what we mean, yeah. like. And then that's, 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 like he would have just been forced into a role that he was resisting for so yeah. long. That would be interesting. But if, you know, uh, the, the the biggest thing of it is how do you galvanize people that are uh, you know we've seen symbolically as rats in this show, right? Are their followers? We haven't seen sheep, but they're sheep. Yeah. Um, We've heard the reference, right? Uh, in the in the costume one, you know, uh, you know Betty Bo Peep and mm-hmm. her little sheep. sheep yeah. yeah. So it's it, it's that whole thing, and you know, in terms of the village, uh, an assassination. In this certainly would galvanize and you know move things towards whatever it is mm-hmm. that they want. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Um, what did you guys think of the plot overall? Because you have you know you have the you have the watchmaker. You have uh, Hugh Hefner, number two, mm-hmm. um, who's kind of going behind the back of the real number two. Um, just in terms of the setup, what did you, what did you guys like? What did you guys dislike? What, what meaning could you take? I liked that at some point. I liked that I was questioning it a lot. Mm-hmm. That's what this episode, and not like questioning. I was like, what is he? He Okay, he's on the bad side. Who? Okay, he's, Who's he? 
So, no, just like in in general, okay. I was like going back and forth with with a, a few characters. You know, oh. like is he in the know? Okay, he seems like he's in the know. Maybe he's not in the know. Okay, he's in the know. You know what I mean? Like there was a back and forth with the watchmaker, with the daughter, mm-hmm. with the first number two. You know, there was a lot of what's really people's intentions, what's happening here, which made it a little bit less boring because it wasn't as exciting as the others. But I was curious. Um, to okay, am I am I following this correctly? Do I am I on the right side here? Yeah, that's yeah. that's a fair fair question. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, overall, I I felt that there were some plot wise, like I you know, I, it's tough. It's tough because my brain hasn't been working. So trying to formulate words, um, I I think like at the end, overall, what I was curious about was how they were going to resolve the the issue with number two and i know it's i don't want to jump to the end of it uh but like what actually was going to happen um and then also the the one guy that he ends up uh, that number six ends up fighting with to keep the assassination from happening number 100 yeah number 100 which Mm -hmm. is a full number yeah i thought he was a really uh i i i want i hated him I've, I, there's very few characters in the show that I have like a distinct and strong dislike for, but I did not like number 100 at all. Really? Yeah, there was one just double a, Yeah, something about him and his like characterization and how he was. I didn't trust him. I didn't like right. him. And I've never had such a, a strong like with with these characters on the show. I haven't felt so so, so there's a picture of, um, oh. why don't we pull up the picture of Hugh Hefner, number two, <laughs> and number 100, who's like kind of behind him and they're, they're mm-hmm. watching and they're talking. Um, yeah, that's the, that's the one. Yeah. Um, so there, there's the photo. He's so silly. I love numbers two. He's just so, I know. Oh. He was comical. Because he's so aloof and he, mm-hmm. he, 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 you know, uh, he doesn't seem bogged down by the responsibilities of being a number two. Yeah. He's just, it, it, it's almost like he's, um, uh, playing roller coaster tycoon or like uh, the the war games, you know he's just in yeah. control of everything, he, and it's just the game to him. He reminds yeah, me. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was gonna say he just reminds me of a rich playboy playing at being a badass, which is Hugh Hefner. I mean, he he worked, but I'm not gonna defend Hugh Hefner. He works. Today. No, I'm not. I'm saying not saying he Hugh Hefner yeah. in a bad way at all. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, mm-hmm. I'm I'm relating it to his style, his look, mm-hmm. and how at the end of the day, Hugh Hefner is kind of a god in a way. To a, mm-hmm. and he mm-hmm. runs a lot of things, but I feel like he's. I would envision him more as the guy that sit backs and that sits back in the desk, and people bring him question. And he's like, yes, no, yes, no. He yeah. definitely works, but he's mm-hmm. not going out. And I'm sure yeah. at one point in his career, he did. I'm yeah. not trying to he, take he's anything reaping. away from him. It's actually like a compliment that because this number two is very different from the other number yeah. twos that yeah. were very dry. And he's handsome. He's you know seems like mm-hmm. he's got it together. Yeah, I feel like you know, Hugh Hefner and this number two are reaping the rewards of their success. They're at right. that point where they can. Literally just kick back with their feet on the desk and be like, and? Yeah. Come on. But what successes are that? That, you know what I mean? Like, that's the question I asked myself of mm-hmm. like, what? First off, you, you haven't even done anything yet. You, you, you were uh, in the position, you, you were sitting in while number two was whatever, on, on a business trip, for lack of a better term. Right. Um, then you fooled number six into this. Uh, and for the most part, you're But can- to him, that's winning. Yeah. Yeah, I guess, I mean, you know. I mean, he's very, to me, very short-sighted because his his number one task is to kind of 
an act of assassination. Beyond that, I don't think he has a clue as to what needs to happen after mm-hmm. after this. Right. Um, you know, maybe he's going to sip his. He's going to be with his glasses, sip his little tea. Is like there's there's you know murder happening yeah. in the streets. I don't know. Right. Well, it's more like invincible, is I think what he feels. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a false sense because he's still number <laughs> two, know. not number one, and he's not even real number mm-hmm. two. Yeah. I am number one. <laughs> Perhaps we'll find six. that. Um, we get another reference to abstract art. Uh, <laughs> I think they just I, like inserting this thing. It's in. fine. It makes me happy. Like uh, Patrick McGowan's uh, concept of an idea of abstract art mirrors my own. So anytime we get to kind of call it into question, right? Yeah. Um. Absolutely. And and but by the way, it's it's both. You know, one of the reasons I brought up it's it's both as a way of fitting in, but mm-hmm. also being outside, right? Yeah. Um, and that's that's what I still like. I, I love about number six, and and uh, you know, and, and I'm so frustrated every single week, and especially more and more as I watch it, because um, as much as we search for these answers, no answers come, mm-hmm. right? And I, 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 that's why I love the title sequence of like, if you want information, you won't get it. <laughs> but I I actually love that. Because at the end of the day, however it really resonates with you and your life experience is going to be your answer. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's a huge thing of what he's going on in his internal battle. And I, I think more so, though, it's it's a statement of um, stop looking to other people for meaning, you know. Um, and, you know, no disrespect to uh, a god or whatever. But um, by looking at other deities or other people, and by the way, it can be it could be money, it could be people, it could yeah. be whatever. Uh, by looking at these things as a f- uh, fix to your life, you will forever be a prisoner. Mm-hmm. Exactly, that's true. Which is his battle. But it, how does he win? How does he win? Well, he, exactly by, like, literally what you just said, by realizing that these things that we all are a prisoner of, whether it's because we believe what the media tells us success is, or we think we have to have love in a certain way, or we think we have to have money in a certain way, once you realize that what you have is your freedom, and and I don't mean, like, freedom like we the people. I mean, like, once you're happy with who you are and what you have, that will set you free from this but prison it, of life. Here's the thing. That assumes um, for the prisoner, right, he's always been defining sides, right? What you're talking about, there is no side. It's just, it, it's just you as an entity, uh, regardless of anyone else. Uh, but he is always defined. It's either you're on my side or you're not. You're this, you're that. Right. Um, and so it, it's a dichotomy of things. Uh, I think what you're talking about is wholeness, and I don't know how you achieve that. I mean, lots of work, I think, is how people achieve that. Mm-hmm. Hmm. By the way, Mad Men is a great example of kind of... What? Why Nothing, I'm just I'm, I'm looking at both of you to see who's going to respond next. Uh, I was just going to bring yeah. up Mad Men because it's a perfect marriage of like the corporate world and like the piece of which you speak. And, and, and if you've seen the finale, I'm not going to give it away, but uh, it's quite something. I have not. Mm -mm. But I feel like when it comes to the sides in number six, he's just trying to say, are you like, there is a defining side. And, you know, like, I know my theory is a little bit out there. I get it, whatever. But, like, there is a defining side of are you with me or are you against me in my path? Mm -hmm. I don't think it's so literal as it's, you know, side A or side B for him. It's, It's almost like, are you helping me on this journey or are you holding me back and feeding me crap? Mm hmm. Hmm. But it's also you, you adopt various ways of, you know, um, 
a Buddhist or a Taoist way of like, you know, fight fire with fire, right? Well, to a Taoist, it's like, okay, no, you fight fire with water <laughs> yeah. in that way. And so it, it, you have to kind of figure out your mentality of dealing with opposition in mm-hmm. this way. Um, and in, yeah. in, in t- today, you know, uh, certainly the village, the village has always shown that they're pro-violence mm-hmm. um, and not afraid of that. I mean, I, mean, I wanted to kind of talk about uh, sort of um, assassinations in general, right? So I had listed Martin Luther King, uh, Kennedy, Lincoln, and the Ar- Archduke Ferdinand. Um, Weird and- all out of the box thinkers. Hmm? I said weird all out of yeah. the box thinkers. You mean the the people I had listed? Yeah, I mean, like, it's weird. I don't know much about Archduke Ferdinand, to be fair, except a lot of people equate him to having started World War One. Well, or being assassin- the cause of, yeah, his yeah. assassin, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't know much about him either, but, the, mm-hmm. uh, like, if you think about, you know, the message that Martin Luther King had, the message that mm-hmm. John F. Kennedy had, how they were not this mold of, you know, politician, quote-unquote, you know, they were out-of-the-box thinkers. They want, they, I really, when you look at all of our history in, in government and presidents and stuff like that, like, I really feel like these guys, you know, are different. And mm-hmm. they stood for something. And they weren't going to follow the path. They weren't going to be a prisoner to this. And then what happens? They get assassinated. So I have two questions for you guys. One is kind of more naive, but give an honest answer. If you can. What defines an assassination versus just a murder? And secondly, if, if I like this idea from you, Steph, but um, one of th- in, in terms of the number two that is per- supposed to be assassinated, what good did he do, or what did he do, do to deserve that that to get? I'm not saying that he necessarily did that. I'm saying that this, that's a commonality within these ones that we've listed. No, it's a, it's a fair enough yeah. point, but like, I don't what, know that why he, does he should d- be associated with that. Maybe he should. I don't know what he's doing. I don't know. I mean, he's just a symbol in theory, right? And I think the difference between an assassination and a murder... um, There's a cause uh, behind it. uh, Yeah, a cause or a a figurehead. Yeah, I feel like it's a plotted thing against a public figure, mm -hmm. I guess is the... Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. I, I think it's almost a political statement because it's like if... I mean, it's like, no, I don't want to use anyone as an example, God forbid something was to happen, but if, like, someone was, someone that's, you know, a celebrity was to get killed, I think we would associate it as a murder, not an assassination. Yeah, I think it but has if to it do was with... A political, I think there's a political... Mm-hmm. And you guys out there, if you guys know, let us know, because I don't know exactly the, you know, literal... Definition, definition of both yeah. but i mean i could look it up yeah i feel i feel it it's definitely has weight to someone who has a, a cause behind them because i mean martin luther king while not an elected official yeah. was obviously a, a figurehead in in a political movement and yeah i mean you know it was obviously a social movement but it went further than that and that that was definitely in assassination versus a, a murder um you know and and you and yet it's it's interesting and I, I guess it has to be. Po- I, I think it's not even so much who the, the person is. I think if the motive of whomever is doing the assassinating, if that is politically motivated, mm-hmm. because I've you know I've seen instances in and in outside of the U.S. conflicts where people have been assassinated, but it was even if the person themselves wasn't like a, a figurehead in politics, it, the murder behind that was the motivation. Excuse me, behind that was uh, 
coming from a political reason. So I think that's it actually comes more from the act itself, not mm-hmm. so much who is being killed. Got it. I actually just looked it up. Yes. And it says, uh, where is assassination is the murder of a prominent person or political figure by a surprise attack. Mm. So it, it comes from, uh, okay. Huh. I mean, that's like, no, that one makes sense. probably of yeah. many definitions, but, but just... that, I mean, that makes sense because the, per, you know, in, in most things that we think of assassination, they were public figures in a public setting. Yeah. It's you a know? political type of figure, yeah. I mean, but the, not a public figure. It's not yeah. like, you know, if, if some star athlete, you know, some, yeah professional athlete was to get murdered like killed they that would classify mm. it in murder it's a political um by the way the, the it brings up a kind of larger issue in the sense of this like, is I, interesting sorry go ahead quick. it says this definition assassination is the murder of a prominent person or political figure by a surprise attack usually for payment or political reasons yeah see it goes back to the motivation being to shut them yeah. up yeah yeah that makes that makes more although sense. i don't yeah. know if i Qualify like uh, gang hits as for no. as assassination. Well, I guess they gang? are, so. but they are. But technically, like, there like you go, for I mean, money. yeah. Well, not even just for money. Like, say it's two two rival gangs, or even someone within the same faction goes and murders the head of a gang. He's head of his little political group for all intents and purposes. That could be considered a hit as an assassination. Mm. I feel like that. Yeah, that would yeah. kind of by those rules, it would. Mm-hmm. And here, here's what's good, right? A um, couple things that kind of came out. Uh, for me in this way through this exercise that I wasn't expecting. Number one, I, I think it is very much important to um, for e- everyone individually like as much as we use words and know words to define what it means for you, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, first and foremost um, and then I had a second part. Which I think, while you think about your second part, which I feel like we as a, as a whole lack or fail to do well that's why so it brings up my second point um you know offending people everyone thinks offending people is a bad thing it can actually be a tool towards open dialogue okay well why did that offend you let's have an honest dialogue because we've never talked there's certain things that we've never talked about that we may not be able to talk about until you get offended yeah until there's opposition Uh. That that pulls up that pulls up something I wish we could get into on this re- regarding well, something on another show. Oh. Uh, no, just uh, this past week's Game of Thrones and an incident that happened to a character that has the internet polarized, and it's oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. people are like boycotting Game. Yeah, of Thrones. but but it's it, but it, it what you when I what you said was actually an argument I I said to several people is that if you're so offended by something, is it. Is it your job to censor it and make it not happen, or should you look at what about it offends you? Yeah. I think there's a fine line. Yeah. I think there's a fine line, and I think that we live in a society where people aren't allowed, and there's so many platforms now for Mm -hmm. people to speak their mind, So, and there's so much misinterpretation in that. Like, the subtext of the text, whether it be a text message, Twitter, a blog, whatever, Mm -hmm. there's always the subtext of that, and I feel like... You know, it is unfortunate that we can't have conversations about things that yeah. offend people. Well, like, and, and so a very... Because that's the only way we yeah. learn. We, yeah. We've talked about it where, you know, we seek out the news that we want. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And all that. So we've... Yeah. But go ahead. Well, a, a, a very real problem in, in the geek world specifically that I've been noticing um, in terms of, you know... I. I'm a woman. I fully promote more uh, female characters, more female creators, more minorities right. across the board. I want that. I want to see that. But every time something is done that 
a certain group of pro-female people dislike, they want to shut it down and get rid of it. Where I have this, I have this crazy idea of feminism that we should all be able to exist in a world. And even if there's a piece of work out there that maybe isn't the most uh, kind to females, maybe maybe there's a woman who's drawn in a sexually like an overt sexual position on a cover, but it's not my place. If I don't want to consume that media, I won't consume it. It's not my place to say that doesn't belong here. And I feel like there's a huge divide in in my little world of especially over in like the Marvel Comics world where like people get really upset that if a woman is drawn too sexy now, it's demeaning and terrible for women, which to me is kind of like, well, God, what does that say about me when I wear a low cut shirt or I pose for selfies on Instagram? See, I, but I can totally have the flip side of yeah. that conversation in being that. People shouldn't have to make it sexy in order for it to sell. And like that you've I got agree. kids reading yeah. these books. Like I feel like with everything, there's a line, and I feel like people have to learn to straddle that line because I don't mm-hmm. think there's anything wrong with something being sexy. Mm-hmm. But B, if it's being sexy only to be sexy because you think it will sell, then that's just your yeah. you need better that, content. That I, no, that I completely agree with. But yeah. it's just the whole backlash where people are now full on like boycotting things without. Like to me, I guess it's like maybe they're jumping the gun and they'll see something without seeing the message behind it. Like I've seen, I've seen a couple cases where there was an alternate cover of a Spider Woman comic drawn by basically a, a porn artist, like the uh, Manera, who draws stuff for heavy metal, right. very sexy girls. It was an alternate cover; it wasn't the main cover. It got pulled because people were really offended by it. But at the same time, this wasn't the mainstream cover. This was a collector's cover yeah. for people, and that should have been allowed because it's art. To me, it's art. I get what you're saying. Yeah. It's art too, but like I also feel like there's such a thing happening that like we, especially in Hollywood, we create this sexy image. And this is like this is <laughs> such a tangent, but it relates. No. My first job when I moved out here, mm-hmm. I was retouching for Vogue and Cosmo. <sighs> I was creating this image that girls starve themselves, mm-hmm. hate themselves, do all kinds of terrible things to themselves, and it's fake. It is. It doesn't exist. It is. So for like, there's also some responsibility for creating something that does no good for society. You know what I mean? Like that. There's a fine line in that, and I mean, like even like you think about like Wonder Woman. Like yeah. look at what Wonder Woman was, and look and, at it now. now. Yeah, it's. I I adore your argument, and I wish everyone who was a detractor of these things came from your side because right. you just made the most compelling argument that hundreds of people on my like feeds have not managed to sum it up in such a way that yeah. you're like to me right there. That's the the perfect reason and yeah. i really i really i wish more people in the subculture would understand that versus where a lot of it's like it offends me personally so i don't want it see yeah that's just not that's not interesting i, mean, I think that's people having their yeah. own issues yeah i think i think pe- <laughs> so to tie it all back into that yeah. i think you know i think people choose a side right mm-hmm. and what i i think the problem is they they don't really know or care necessarily what side they just mm-hmm. oh yeah, okay yeah it does offend me so if it offends me then i'm on this side yeah well i think that's and, and honestly one of the projects one of my other shows that i do called the moose hat and when i interview people um it's literally that it's asking people why they think the way mm-hmm. they do and it's really unfortunate because and for me compelling and why i want to continue to do it is because when you interview somebody and ask them why they think the way they think if they really don't know they'll contradict themselves mm-hmm. two three times in like two minutes it's and that's, yeah. that's literally 90 percent of it people don't know why they mm-hmm. think the way they think so we're going to tie all this back together the watchmaker and prisoner have a dialogue, right? right. And mm-hmm. the watchmaker has his kind of stance on it. Let's talk about that scene and how it applies mm-hmm. to this. 
You go first. No, like I've been talking. Yeah, go, go Phil. Me, go, me. Phil. Yeah. yeah. I just present the art. I just, uh, I just present like, the scenery. Yeah. No. Um, um, no, I, you know, I think. I felt like as soon as we saw the watchmaker fix the watch, I knew that there was something wrong. And I also wanted to, I love how, I mean, I don't know if I'm alone in this theory, but I love how, um, the watch was stopped, and like you know how they say when mm-hmm. a watch stops, someone dies. Mm-hmm. Just, so yeah, I was like, the, the whole assassination, yeah. everything. I was like, oh, that was really interesting that his watch stopped. Mm-hmm. Like that's gonna be the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I liked it, and I liked that. I, I feel like he knew the whole time what was happening with the watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, number six, I'm talking about. It. He knew. Yeah, got him. Um, I, I, I bring it up because, you know, obviously the, the watchmaker kind of had his own perspective of, of why he needed to do this. Um, obviously h- him and the daughter kind of argued back and forth as mm-hmm. well. Um, and so it's interesting to, you know, uh, know people's motives when they think they know something and even if they maybe do, that they're willing to go through with something or not. Well, and that's, that's just kind of the interesting thing about causes. In general, like you, you know, the the people who are the best soldiers are the ones that believe in the cause the most. And, and the watchmaker, you know, for whatever reason, he chose to believe that this was the path he needed to go on. And, and despite the consequences it would have for himself if he did it or didn't go right. through with it. So I think that's, uh, you know, he, he formed his opinions based on what worked for him. And sometimes you have to do that. Sometimes you have to lie to yourself to... Yeah. To and fully believe that to get through with what you're going to do, right? It's true. And you know, speaking of meaning, too. Uh, so we get another sort of ceremony. So on, uh, I, was gonna, I call it assassination day, but it's supposed to be like coronation day, right? <laughs> assassination right. day, I love it. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be the worst day in the history. I mean, yeah, that was terrible. Um, but it's assassination day here in the village, and. Um, you know, just the whole presentation of everything, right? You know, that, mm-hmm. that we can't give something doesn't have meaning until we give it meaning. And mm-hmm. so by putting all this like hoopla together, it now has meaning and purpose. Um, and so when if number two was to die, it'd be that much more significant versus like, oh, it just, ha- it, you know, yeah, he just right. got taken out somewhere in the middle of the night. Um, and there's the photos of, uh, of the new Hefner number two. And then, uh, and then we have a photo of, uh, kind of the ceremony there look at the yeah the young verso again the scarfs the only one scarf ever was the woman her scarf was the other way mm. probably just nothing probably just <laughs> or maybe like, that's just how maybe, maybe it was like, like a substitute wardrobe yeah. person that day or you know like, like how men's dress shirts or uh, uh jackets button on one side, side you know right, yeah whatever yeah. women mm-hmm. reverse their scarves yeah but her button was on the other side too mm. this is weird Anyway. You know, she's different, yeah. right? She's the opposite of the men. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not true. But yeah. uh, but other women, unless you're in power, maybe you get to be different from uh, the men. Maybe yeah. you get to be different. Period. The other women in that you see, like number fifty, mm-hmm. like they all have the button on the same side. Hmm. There you go. As their leader. Um. How, what did you guys feel for the actual number two, knowing that? He has this information that he's about to be assassinated. I actually felt for the guy. I, I actually, for a moment, I was like, "Oh man, I, I hope, I hope this doesn't happen." But and and then to watch how Number Six had to save his enemy, basically. Uh, I don't know. I I thought that was like the last like two and a half minutes was probably the most compelling part of the episode. Yeah, I mean, it reminded me. It's you know, you've you've yeah. devoted servitude towards this mm-hmm. position. 
um, much like number six. And now, now uh, the people that you thought you were working for, yeah. they're turning against you. Much to, I mean, you could look at if the theory still holds that, num- that the village is, in fact, number six's old faction. Then it's mm-hmm. like, what? Are you serious? Like, I gave my life to you guys. And then I resigned. Like, that's it. it I'm pa- out. Yeah, I mean, it, pa- it parallels number six's story to a T. Right. Yeah. So I found that that really interesting. Mm-hmm. And I, I did, like you, I did feel the guy because, mm-hmm. again, he's like, what? I didn't what I was yeah. asked to do. I want out. I want, I'm resigning. I'm, right. all, I'm old. <gasps> so, um... The question so a couple of things um, that you might not have known in the original script um, it has number one hundred go on stage to make a confession except Rover kills him but it was too graphic and so it was taken out. I love that. I wish that would have been. In. That's too graphic for the sixties. Yeah, but we've seen Rover. We've seen people die. Yeah, and we've seen Rover. I mean, this is a scene we yeah. I got. We got to figure out how to I get our be like, hands did, on this. Did Rover blow, like explode him? Like <laughs> that would be amazing. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I That's, I've yeah, never I, I seen know. pictures. Or, I want to know. Yeah, but um, but that happened. Mm-hmm. And uh, my my question is: Does does the old number two, not the human half number yeah. two, does he really get to escape? No, no, no. They're just going to bring yeah. him back or something. No yeah, no one escapes. So, I mean, is it uh, is it one of those things like, yay, we're applauding for number six. Mm-hmm. He's happy that number two's getting to leave. We're just but applauding because we think we're supposed to. I think. But it, it reminds but, me of, I forget what yeah. movie or whatever it is, but it's like, okay, you, you know, now you're free. And uh, this, this speaking of graphic stuff, you know, there's like, let's say, animals running across the street because they're free. And boom, a truck comes and kills them all. And you're like, oh, shoot. <sighs> Well, that wasn't good. But that's what it, you know, again, I had to go there to illustrate the point, but it feels like number two, like we're setting him up for this horrible thing of like, yes, you're free, except you're not. You're going to get hit by a truck. I'm kind of shocked they didn't shoot the helicopter out of the sky. (laughs) Well, I think they knew that he was coming right back in one way, shape, or form. Oh. Sorry. sorry. Phil with the brutal, like, he does this every week now, and I'm like, are you offended? I'm not offended. I'm just morbidly depressed now. <laughs> well, that's your uh, throwback Thursday pick me up. Yeah, <laughs> animals getting hit by trucks. I mean, you know, I I can't talk about the show and not I bring know. it to. I a mean, no, you make it like it. It's true. No, the the point you make is a valid point. Yeah, um, it's like you're finally like, oh, yeah, yeah, and then you're like. As soon as you relax, mm-hmm. you're really smacked in the face with it. Yeah. I mean, it, it's kind of to a degree. Uh, there's extent of it. Like, you know, the kid who always wants, I just want, I want to be free. I want no, mm-hmm. you know, I don't want your responsibility. I want this and this. Like, and then, like, you're left in the desert and it's like, oh, shoot, I got to eat. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which, again, is people acting without thinking. There you go. There it is. Mm-hmm. With a little bow. <laughs> But then, here's the thing to get. I don't know. To you know, then you have people like Christopher McCandless who thought he was thinking and thought you know transcendentalism and I'm going to yeah. survive in the woods. And for those of you who don't know a story, he went into the Alaskan wilderness. And then lo and behold, uh, you know, he changed his mind, but it was too late, and it ended in his death. Did he get eaten Should by have a thought bear? about it. Can't Should, be. You know. Dude, you can't be a dreamer. Yeah. You got to be a planner. <laughs> he had it planned out. He was going to survive in the wilderness. That's not a plan. Yeah. That's not a plan. That's a that's, that's an a idea. Or an idea. That's a, yeah, hope. I think hope is more. It's very right. precious hope. 
Well, uh, yeah, I, I, I 100% agree. That's why I, there's so many people that, to me, like anyone can come up with a great idea, but it's all in the execution. Like, can you now take that idea and work it day in, day out, have the discipline for yeah. maybe a year, maybe five, like a 10-year development of this idea to get it to where it needs to be? Right. Yeah. Uh, most people don't have that discipline. Nope. So congratulations on your great idea that didn't amount to mm. shit. Yep. And there's your explicit for the week. Yes. Okay. Um, anything else you guys want to touch upon uh, before we kind of wrap this up? I feel like we've covered a lot and then some. Yeah, yeah no, no, I feel pretty happy. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for next week. All right, I, I forget. Uh, so next week we're going to do a yeah. change of mind. I totally forget what a change of mind is even about. Um, but I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah. Obviously, I will rewatch it, so I will know what I'm talking I'm, about. I'm just excited because now we're all, all back on the same page again. Yeah, I'm no, excited the band's back together. Yeah. That's right. We had a couple of rough weeks. No. Uh, people were in New York. People were sick. Uh, people were at Stagecoach. Life happened, man. It does. Life happened. It's the summer. Yeah. Pre-summer. Um, yes. but, but, you know, the we good- were on our hiatus. Yeah. <laughs> we were on our summer hiatus. <laughs> we're back. Yeah. We're back. By the way... Uh, what number is this that we're on? 11. So we got six more oh weeks. Oh, my gosh. That's right. Whoa. That's almost rounding. That's kind of, that's going to get us midway through the summer. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Uh, All right. Thank you guys so much Mm -hmm. for joining us. Um, By the way, we do this um, out of love for you guys. We do it for free to you guys. Uh, We do not want to charge you for this. Um, In return, all I ask, number one, can you please tell a friend? All I ask these ten things. Yeah, but here's the thing, right? I it's it's not Mm -hmm. selfish because by telling people about this podcast, you're telling them about the prisoner. Yeah, first and foremost, bring people to the show. I mean, the fact that like you can watch it brand new and enjoy it, we can watch it, you know, and Mm re-enjoy it. It's it's a show that stands the test of time. That's right. And And number two, I'm asking you to comment. Because, yes, it helps me, but guess what? It gets your voice out there about the show, so I'm not selfish, Steph Z. All right, fine. Doing it for them. You (laughs) are, we are, doing it for you. Also, while I'm recovering from sickness, guys, I spend a lot of time on the internet. So if you comment, I'll write back. And it gives me something to focus on, and it's really nice. So please comment. It makes me feel better. There you go. Comments are the cureness of life. Yes. Only good comments, not the mean ones. All right, thank you guys. But you once, shouldn't be offended if they're mean. There you go. Once again, uh, next week, A Change of Mind is the episode we'll be doing, episode 12. Uh, we'll see you here uh, one last time. Put yourself over, Steph Z. Uh, you guys can find me. Keep the conversation going at I-A-M-S-T-E-F-Z. I'd love to hear from you. And you can hit me up on Twitter and Instagram at M Placo. And, of course, here at AfterBuzz TV, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And we're available on platforms such as YouTube, SoundCloud, iTunes, all that fun stuff. Thank you, guys. As always, you guys have been wonderful. We'll see you here next time. Be Be seeing you. you. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz, see you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 